Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast, your home for all things Chelsea FC. Nick, Dan, and myself cover all the match reviews from the latest Chelsea matches. We cover the team news and even throw you some exclusive interviews. Thank you already for being an awesome listener. And you know what? Let's jump right in. Welcome back to the cup double of this week. That's right. We have another non-Premier League podcast coming at you this week. Uh, yeah, bet you are surprised to hear me. I'm back, B-words, and better than ever. And I'm talking wow. to you, Nick and Dan. I listen. <laughs> I know what you say. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like we did one show together by yeah. ourselves, the Nick yeah. and Dan show, and you got a little upset, and I'm sorry, Brandon. Not at all. Sorry if we hurt your feelings. Uh, I, I, I do. I knew you were gonna listen. <laughs> that's why we. Uh, that's why we did what we did. You know, just for for fun. You know. If anything, it's it's my bad. I don't get to jump into the pylon from Thursday night's post Spurs. I mean, that was just a missed opportunity on my part. No, no. Give yourself thirty seconds. Give yourself thirty seconds to enjoy it. Insert nonstop laughter. Go. No, it's fine. It was great, obviously, but we've got more positive stuff to go on. That's right, people. We are on a bit of a bounce back post-Arsenal. So I know the cup matches, uh, but what an exciting time, obviously, with with the, the you know, Higuain um, continuing the cup run alive. Uh, it's just, there's, there's a lot of momentum right now after a pretty tumultuous time post-Arsenal. So I'm excited to get back into all of that, not just FA Cup. Uh, as always, Nick, 
Dan, myself, coming at you guys. We do have some iTunes reviews. Uh, Dan, I think if you would be the honor or take the honor of of announcing our, our newest five-star reviews in iTunes, I think that'd be lovely. Yeah, absolutely. So we had two this week, one from MacUser223, which is from the, the USA, who's asking a little bit about some of the, you know, if a director of football would solve some of the problems we have right now. And I think the resounding answer you'd get from the three of us would be yes. That would be lovely. Uh, and then we also had a review from uh, Switzerland, from the uh, the Robinho 70, and, you know, give us a little shout-out there. And I thought, you know, just because I wasn't aware, I did a little fact-finding, Nick, and tracked back if Chelsea have ever had a Swiss player hmm. connected with that review. And it turns out there actually has been one Swiss player for, and it was a Willy uh, Steffen, and it was in the 1946-47 season. He came over. Played 20 league games, won an FA Cup against Arsenal, so love, must love be some type of legend. Class. Yeah, so uh, yeah, if you were curious if Chelsea have ever had a Swiss player, at least on the first team, the answer is yes, and there actually is currently one on the women's team right now, and uh, Ramona Bachman. So a little huh. bit of a, a Chelsea-Swiss connection there right now, and uh, we thank everybody for the five-star reviews. Leave some more, and maybe if it's from a country... Maybe we can go investigate if there's uh, some other Chelsea representatives that we don't know about. Uh, yeah, and she is tearing it up. Absolute stud. Uh, no Patreon names this week, unfortunately, but you know what? I'm, I'm going to have to give a big plug here. So Dan recently forced us to start a Discord uh, group. <laughs> Turns out he it was a good it. idea. Who knew? Dan, good idea. Anyways... Uh, we have been blowing this up. Uh, we've had a ton of engagement. And essentially, look at it this way. If you want to chat Chelsea with the four of us, Nick, Dan, Mike, and myself, throughout the week without having our personal numbers, which I appreciate that distance, uh, this is how you do it. We share videos. We share photos. Uh, we ask questions. We have discussions there. It's genuinely a really, really fun time. Uh, just to give you an idea, we talk about uh, match days. We talk throughout the matches. Uh, we even have off-topic, so not Chelsea-related stuff. Uh, we have social questions that you can submit in and episode discussions as well. So you can tell us what you loved and what you hated of each episode in there. And honestly, Nick, um, well, I've genuinely had fun. It's like my go-to place uh, to chat about Chelsea throughout the week. Yeah, it is, it's it's nice. It's nice to be able to foster conversation that's like it's a little bit deeper than than uh, social media back and forth. So uh, it's an interesting uh, tool that we're kind of testing out, and uh, who knows that might be a. Uh, a bigger a bigger deal as we continue on with patreon uh good news about that is you don't have to have social media for it It is private so i know some of our listeners we talk to uh don't use social media for one reason or another uh it's a great way to to get involved and keep the conversation going so head on over to patreon look us up london is blue podcast and we will get you in once you join up anyways uh let's go ahead and talk about classic football shirts super exciting announcement and then Match review time. Nick, what do we have? Correct. We have the Zola 25 contest winner. Um, if, if you were under a rock for the last week and hadn't paid attention to our Twitter, uh, we did a, a, a contest uh, with classic football shirts uh, to give away a 1997 uh, Zola kit. And it's beautiful uh, blue with his name on the back. Um, we had... A, a lot of entries, really, really pumped about the response to this, and want to announce the winner is at Charlie underscore Granger. Um, so hey, hey. congrats to Charlie. That's that's freaking awesome. We're really happy for you. 
Uh, we'll get uh, get your details on on Twitter and uh, make sure this uh, beautiful kit gets to you uh, as soon as possible. But just want to say thanks to everyone who entered the contest. Um, we, we hope to do more of these things and figure out a way to give back to our audience as, as much as we can because you guys are amazing to us and just we're, we're always so grateful um, that, that people listen to the show. So um, very excited about that. Congrats to Charlie. Uh, and if you are kind of in the hunt for a, a, a classic Chelsea kit, uh, you can still use our promo code London pod uh, at checkout for 10% off at classic football shirts.co.uk. So continue to do that. And, uh, and yeah, that's it. Congrats, Charlie. Congratulations. Indeed. Uh, it was also great timing on our part. Uh, while BT sport released there, what I wore yes. with Gianfranco yeah, Sola. Uh, and look, they do that with classic football shirts. So, you know, that, you know, they are legit, uh, their equipment and their gear is legit. And, uh, you know, it's well worth uh, a perusal on the website. If you are, uh, well, anyways, perusal, take a browse. I apologize. All right, match review time. Perusal. <laughs> Here we go. Sheffield Wednesday FA Cup at Stamford Bridge. It was this past Sunday, in case you missed it. Chelsea 3, Sheffield Wednesday, nada. Uh, let's see. Score predictions. No one, none. Let's move on. Wait, All right. Just uh, just really quick. Line up. No, was, no, we're good. We're good. Was we're there done. someone on the show that actually did predict this? I mean, it would, <laughs> so, if anybody, maybe. it would have been me, and I did not get it right. Just yeah. a quick. Was it Mike? Like, can we do some de- a little bit of digging on this? <laughs> maybe uh, probably to, to not. Look, look at the graphic that we put out there. No. Oh wow! I just looked at it. It was me. I'm right again. Again? Yes. Did you learn how to use Photoshop this week? Is that how that happened? No. My, <laughs> Came my, out after the match somehow? Mike somehow recorded my correct prediction correctly on the graphic. And uh, and look, guys, I know I'm a legend on this show for correctly predicting things. I mean, it's what I do. So I'm uh, happy to get another one. This is my third correct prediction of the year. And, um, you know, I'm... I'm just a legend, so I'm glad we had this time to talk about that. You've got uh, worse conversion rate than some of the strikers who played for Chelsea. Just FYI, it's really it's phenomenal. Congratulations yep. for being a legend. And yet, I still start every week. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. Uh, small squad here on the London's Blue Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dan. Uh, this should be fun going through the lineup for this match. Sorry, going absolutely a wall. To be honest, it's probably Zola who did it based on all of the media appearances. Well, you know, it is the opportunity for the FA Cup to get the assistant manager an opportunity because they're doing two or three press conferences a week at that point. But we did have a different lineup. We saw Willie Caballero between the sticks as Plaqueta comes in along with Rudiger, Christensen, and Alonso as our back four. So uh, no uh, no tummy aches for Christians in this match. Kovacic, Ampadu, and Barkley end up being our midfield three. See Ampadu start in the Jorginho role for the first half, which is the Kovacic in the second half. And then Calm Hudson-Odoi, under tons of speculation and potential transfers, passports being stamped, unstamped, deals being done, undone, gets a start alongside Higuain and Willian. So that was our starting 11. We did see Kepa, Jorginho, Pedro, Ruben Loftus Cheek, Olivier Giroud, Dava Luis, and Emerson on the bench. Paisan cast away yet again. Just so, so sad, Nick. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I was heartbroken over that one. Um, yeah. It's it was the hope that kills. It, it was it was a good lineup. Like, you know, I, I think a lot of people who, 
you know, wanted youth integration, saw Ampadu, saw Callum Hudson-Odoi, and saw Christensen uh, with a, a substitute appearance from Ruben Loftus-Cheek and probably were really happy with the lineup. I think I missed the total lineup by one player, and I think I had Zappa Costa in for Espilicueta at the end of our, our last episode on Thursday. So, um, yeah, it's what I thought would happen, and... Uh, we'll get into it, but it was it was a little rusty in the first half. <laughs> and welcome to the Nick Verlaney Prediction Show, uh, coming at you He's live. Back. <laughs> All He's right, back. Uh, stats wise, look, Chelsea had twelve shots, three on target, three goals. Would you look at that? Eighty uh, percent huh. possession, eight hundred sixty-one passes, ninety percent pass accuracy. Y- you would read this as saying it was a pretty comfortable day out for Chelsea. Uh, you know, I would like to point out uh, Sam Hutchinson on uh, Wednesday's team. Obviously, yes. uh, Chelsea Youth Academy player had to retire at the age of 21, in case you are unfamiliar with that, due to knee injuries. Took a couple years off, uh, you know, was encouraged by some Chelsea staff to get back into it. Did it, did his rehab, and now he is playing for the last four or five years, uh, enjoying his time. So if nothing else, just a huge shout out to someone who's overcome amazing challenges uh and and it was his first time back at Stanford Bridge so you know good for him if nothing else nice little feel good story Chelsea connections um goals as we run through these uh 26 minute so William penalty kick uh this was a crazy 5 3 minutes here Nick uh obviously with VAR being heavily involved yeah uh VAR overturning a Sheffield Wednesday uh penalty that Ampadu I think uh, did a really great job at, at getting uh, his foot on the ball before making contact um, with, uh, with the Sheffield Wednesday player whose name escapes me, but it doesn't matter. So that gets overturned, and then two minutes later, uh, unfortunately, Sam Hutchinson has uh, his worst moment of the, the day. Uh, Dave gets rid of the ball in the box very quickly after a pass from Callum Hudson-Odoi, and uh, Sam, uh, Sam got him pretty good, a nice stamp on the ankle, um, and it was kind of a clear and obvious penalty. And, uh, you know, you, you could feel for the um, for the Wednesday fans who, who thought they should be 1-0 up to, to go 1-0 down in that fashion. But uh, it was the correct call, Dan. And, and you know, then, uh, you, you know, your favorite player, Williams, steps up and uh, buries his penalty. Well, and I think there was a lot of initial consternation from people because they felt like Higuain should get the opportunity to take the goal and open his account Pato style. And you know what? Probably not a good look for a striker to have to take the penalty kick to get their first goal for Chelsea. But later we see the video. William goes up to Higuain. He passes on the opportunity. It looks like Barkley is kind of wondering if maybe he can get the opportunity to take it. But once Higuain said no to William, William takes it puts it in super calmly and comfortably puts his head one thing comfortably yeah it was com- yeah i mean once you have a goal you're you're ahead comfortably because you have a cushion of one goal pretty chill just just lounging yeah bro <laughs> <laughs> um all right well then 83rd minute william assist drew how, how about that i mean wait wait wait, wait. You, you skipped over the second goal oh well no i am only doing chelsea players oh oh boy. shade boy. Uh, just remember I... at bb busby yeah. on twitter <laughs> at I, I bb busby stoke the flames i was actually really excited to see the responses so based on twitter uh there's a bunch of liam Toomey uh was saying that 
uh, fans had actually stayed well beyond the whistle waiting for Callum to come back out to because they have to walk on the pitch to go out. Uh, and they were staying and in, in, in yelling for him to stay. It sounds like they were chanting, Callum Hudson, or, you know, Hudson Adoy, we want you to stay. Dan, it sounded like he got a really positive reception from the fans tonight, even with all of the the kind of stirring of the pot about him handing in a transfer request. Yeah, and we'll talk a lot about that as we get to the the first question. But I think we should talk about this goal as we run it down. Andreas Christensen gets the start ahead of Dava Luis, getting a little bit of rest. And, you know, he was given the license to maraud forward a little bit more. And it's something, you know, if you watched him during his loan spell in Gladbach, you saw a little bit more of this. It's really the first time he's moved the ball forward in that way. And definitely showed sorry that he can quarterback in the the same capacity through a little bit of swagger and flair to his game, and just aired one out to Hudson Adoy, who makes a cheeky cut inside the box, and uh, you know the keeper doesn't necessarily get a great hand to the ball, and it uh, you know just glides past him to put his head to nothing. Oh right, and now the third goal, eighty third minute, William assists Giroud, Nick William. I think he's now past. N'Golo Kante for goals this season, which will probably upset quite a few people on social media. <laughs> yeah, Will- William is is ever the lightning rod, uh, for sure. Uh, this was just a very good team goal. and I think it's what people think about, you know, what, what the ideal state of sorry ball could be with a really free-flowing free attack from the left-hand side. Uh, the ball goes into Olivier Giroud, who does, you know, the thing that I think we all appreciate him for, which is um, connects well with William, leaves a, a perfectly weighted ball so that William can smash it. And the in the finish, you know, picture perfect. Honestly, the um, uh, the you know ball kind of bounced off the inside of the post and in, but uh, left left Sheffield Wednesday's defense just completely in tatters. And I don't know. I think William. Uh, you know, we'll talk about him as as the. You know, we get into our, our episodes this week, but he had a really weird up and down game, uh, but certainly showed some some more class in the final third in this match than I think we've seen for, for quite some time. All right. Well, those were the goals. Let us jump into some of our, our talking points and questions here. So uh, kicking us off, obviously, as Dan heavily alluded to, um, a lot about Callum Hudson-Odoi. So perhaps the biggest news ahead of the match uh, had to do with the future of Cho. Uh, reports broke Saturday from our friend Nizar Kinsella uh, at Goal.com that he had submitted a transfer request. And, well, I tell you what, Twitter lost its shit, if we put it lightly. Uh, too many people even saying that, you know, should he start? Should he not? Uh, should you clap him? Should you boo him? It was just this kind of crazy whirlwind uh, going around on Twitter. Uh, but again, it, the the fans in the stands were much warmer to him than kind of what social media was. Take that however you want. Uh, so anyways, he started maybe a little bit surprisingly. And in addition to getting onto the score sheet, Nick, how did he perform when called upon today? I think he played pretty well. I mean, he obviously got his goal, and that will uh, will be kind of the standout moment from from the match for most people. Uh, you know, if you looked at the, especially in the first half, if you looked at the you know kind of areas on the pitch at which our attack was making the most headway, it was pretty much all down the right hand side. Um, you know, he was getting the ball with a lot of space, surprisingly, um, and. 
Fox, who was the um, the left back, yeah, left back for for Wednesday, could not deal with him in the in the least. I mean, uh, could have been sent off for multiple yellow card types of challenges, but I think uh, Callum Hudson Odoi ate his lunch. I think where the the thing that I would look at Dan is that his passing in the final third left. Um, you know, a little bit to be desired, to be completely honest. But uh, I think it was probably like a a seven point five performance from him, which is you know is really good. So some of the key stats for Callum would be eighty six percent pass accuracy. Uh, that was fifty two for sixty. Uh, zero for seven on crosses. One for one long ball. One chance created. One key pass. One and a half shots. One goal. Uh, five on six on dribbles. Nine on eleven on duels. Four recoveries. Two on two for tackles. Was fouled twice. So, I mean, this, the stats would tell you that he had, I think, a pretty exceptional game. I think you saw more of that in the second half, especially after Chelsea really got into it at about the 35th minute or so forward. They, you know, Sheffield Wednesday really wasn't offering too much, wasn't making life too difficult. And obviously there was a ton of players in the box throughout the match. But kind of with everything going on um, with the will he won't he leave with the transfer request being submitted and you know i think we have enough journalists that we trust out there to believe that story right so if we operate on the premise that Kalmazadoy has submitted a transfer request to come out and play this way and deliver a strong result and show people what he's capable of i definitely get the feeling of frustration from some fans brandon about Trying to, you know, say, you know, I've seen some people go like the, the the snake scenario. I've seen some people, you know, give them the, the middle finger emoji. But, I mean, I think this is just a young, talented player who is being courted by, you know, the team that he grew up in and has been here for a long time and is getting these opportunities now. And a team that is also a European powerhouse that is probably messing with his head a little bit. And it's a tough decision, I think, for an 18-year-old kid to to make and what to do and what's right. But, you know, hopefully I think we can convince him as supporters and fans that, you know, he can be a star here. Well, as Naz tweeted that, um, after the last FA cup match, Callum Hudson Roy was straight out the tunnel tonight. Uh, he stayed, gave his shirt to a fan, applauded the crowd. And then Naz is, you know, says that Callum's desire to move is nothing personal to the fans of this club. This is the club he supports and will keep loving whatever happens. And that's all great, right? But as fans, we want to keep one of our most exciting and promising talents because we're greedy and we want to have the best players in the world. That That's just natural. I mean, we're not thinking what's best for Callum. To be quite honest, we don't care if it's not Chelsea. And he is on the flip side saying, you know, maybe Chelsea isn't the best for me. And that's up to him to decide. And look, I think a lot of fans, if he does go, um, level-headed fans, in my opinion, will will wish him the best. Hope that he, you know, goes off, uh, develops into a brilliant, you know, player, and then comes back to help, you know, continue our winning streak of trophies. But, you know... it. Like to 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 rain on this parade a little bit again. All we know after tonight is he's too good for the championship. Like he is looking really good, but there's still championship opportunity. We need to get him some Premier League minutes more and more to, to you know to to give him a chance to to excel. But honestly, now that Iguain is in or Iguain, 
is is Mike put on our graphics. Um, hi, hi, Gwain. <laughs> hi, That's, Gwain. Um, yeah. uh, I love trolling him. Um, anyways, uh, he was just saying that uh, there's less chances to play. Without a false nine, there are less chances for wingers to get in because we're back to two instead of three. So uh, we'll have to see. Obviously, post-match, uh, Zola saying that, uh, you know, Chelsea wants him to stay. He has a contract and Chelsea are playing him in games. He says not many players 18 are featuring as regularly as him. Again, he has to make that decision. Um, you know, well, and, and really quick on this, like my take is I am already kind of moved on mentally from this situation. And we had a, a big text thread about it yesterday when the, when the news broke or Friday, whenever it was, um, it it's sad. I I don't, you know. I, I really want him to stay. I really want Eden Hazard to stay. But I, you know, I, if he wants to leave, and you know, he's kind of made up his mind. You know, I I really, I wish him the best, and I really just want to move on to to players like Ampadu and Ruben Loftus Cheek and Mason Mount and you know Reese James and and that kind of core group of young players and. And just focus my my energy on how we can not make the same mistake with with them, um, and and that, that's pretty much it. You know, I think that kind of has to be the the resolution. You know, if if he saw Jaden Sancho leave, and that's been the only thing on his mind, you know, since the transfer window opened in the summer, then you know, I, I can't blame him. But it's just a, kind of a sad end to that that story for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think the the reality is, though, is that Chelsea as a club should, I think, just basically tell him, you know, you're not going to transfer. Like, you can leave on a free in 18 months if you really want to, or we'll, you know, sell you at the end of the summer, or, you know, we're not going to be bullied into making a player sale of a player we don't want to sell to another you know, top tier club in European football. Like I think if we do that as a institution, you know, any youth player, whether it be Mason Mount, whether it be Reese James, basically will, you know, take this tactic and play it forward anytime they want to make a move out of the club. I, I don't think necessarily as much as you know, you want what's right for everybody. And yeah, maybe Chelsea getting, you know, forty million pounds for an eighteen year old player that they've invested, you know, a tenth of that into his, you know, total growth as a player um, is a really good return on investment. But I, I just, I don't think you can get, like, get bullied out of this one. You know, I think it would set a really bad precedent. And whoever comes in to help us run our technical scouting or player development, it would basically just start to use all of these youth players as a, you know, a, as make weight in deals or the way that we're going to fund kind of player sales moving forward. I just, I, I don't think we can kind of say goodbye and, you know, so weakly give into this kind of demand. Okay. But at the end of the day, you're getting really good money for someone who's played next to nothing. Yeah. But I mean, so you're getting good money. I don't, I'm not going to, you're getting like drink water that. money. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. Um, <laughs> yes. You're getting drink water money. However, 
what you lose in your ability on future youth player sales because teams will know that they can just they that oh how old is that kid okay they're 18 and they've got you know 18 months left in their contract we'll wait and we'll be able to get them at a reduced price because they're not going to sign with chelsea because chelsea's not going to give them the opportunities yeah i think callum is actually doing more for every future youth team player in chelsea's infrastructure today right or wrong with how he has put the club in a position to say, look, I want to play. I want to be given the opportunity. And if he, if he did not force the issue, think about the beginning of the season, there was talks of him going on loan. So, you know, right or wrong, you know, he, he clearly loves the club. He, you know, I think he would want to stay. I think the club can't put themselves in a position where they are pushed around by other clubs because once this happens once, I don't like using the slippery slope way to debate it but look every other club will look at us like and they know that they can target our youth talent mason mount will be targeted reese james will be targeted and it'll just will continue forward no i sorry i just i don't think that's the case not like this is the first time you've had a top five club in the world really come after a young talent like no offense but real madrid isn't coming for reese james i think this is unique but i think that the club if they're going to get over the odds money for them, I don't think that sets a precedent because it's different. Now, if you had like United coming or Arsenal or Everton, I think that's a little bit different. But I mean, you know what I'm saying, Dan? Like this is Bayern. This is this is big leagues, big money type of a situation. When's the last time you had one of our our young players go to a top time top five team in the world? I mean, do we consider Courtois young? <laughs> no. No, we consider him dead to us. And so we move on because wow. the only difference is, is that we have other young talents as well in the squad. And so uh, obviously Ampadu and uh, Christensen playing, uh, you know, today as well. Now, Nick, before we get, I'm sorry, I'm going to, I'll bring it back to Dan. But before we get into the, who had a better game today at Xanasaurus says, Ampadu is our best U20 talent. Don't at me. I responded. I said, I agree, but won't at you. Joke's on him. I added him in my reply. Do you guys agree? And I want to know, do you think Ampadu is our best U20 player? And if not, who do you think is? Um, best U20 player. Yeah, I mean, I I think until Calum hudson Adoy is not at the club, then... He he clearly is the most talented to me, most talented of the you okay. know, kind of Mason Mount, Reese James. You know, it's it's kind of the the five that are, are most consistently mentioned, which is uh, Callum, uh, Ruben, Mason, Reese, uh, and and Ethan. I think those are kind of the if you had to do a power ranking, um, I think Callum is probably. I know that Ruben's over. 20 obviously but yeah um if you had to do a power ranking i think callum's the most talented but i I think ethan might have the brightest future of of the of that group because i think he's just i think he's special dan you 20 wonder kid who do you think's the best uh i mean technically you know ampadu was purchased and brought in when he was 18 right or 17 from whoa, whoa. Exeter? not not youth academy player just under 20 just okay yeah because you're right I, obviously he's not a youth academy product i think nick is right 
and I, I it pains me to say that occasionally, but uh, yeah. I'll say it today. It happens that... a lot, Dan. Have you seen my prediction game recently? <laughs> it's pretty great. Oh fuck off. Um, <laughs> yeah, Ampadu is is really positionally agnostic, which I think is a pretty cool benefit to his skill set because he can play center back, he can play a center mid position. We're seeing him work his trade as a regista and you know that had different levels of effect today but you can see obviously that he has potential really to do anything that he is coached into but i would say that hudson adoy at least today is the one who looks to have the higher ceiling and again we're not professional football scouts or you know maybe we you know trick ourselves into believing we are but Callum is probably the one, Brandon, that I think is, at least today, looks like he has the highest ceiling of all of them. You're right. These are only opinions, but it's good to know that Zane and I are right. Uh, anyways, let's move on. Christensen. So according to Naz, that was Andreas Christensen's first assist for Chelsea. A little David Luiz quarterbacking there, Dan. And don't you dare say TB's name. I swear I will end this podcast uh, he had a decent game statistically as well for someone coming off a hammy injury. Yeah, no, he looked very bright in today's game. And I think we talked about it when we were discussing his lead up to the goal, but he was carrying the ball forward. He was involved in distributing in the way that Louise typically is in a match, 93% pass accuracy, um, two key passes, three chances created, created the most chances for Chelsea on the pitch today. Um, yeah, it was good in the defensive phases of the game as well. Just kind of marshalling. Again, Wednesday did not give us a ton of different looks or challenges considering that they only had a singular shot on target and Willie Caballero collected it pretty cleanly. Uh, but no, I, I think it was, again, it's really nice to see him starting to return to a form and showing a little bit of the confidence he had last season before the Barcelona match, Nick, because I think, again, even if David Luiz signs a one-year extension, it seems like Christensen is getting the trust of Sari to rotate in effectively and could really be groomed into being that, you know, Chelsea developed to center back. Yeah, he he did look good today. Um you know, the, the obviously the assist was was great. Yeah, you know, I think I was I was just as impressed by his uh his work rate and getting, you know, back because there were a couple of moments where Sheffield Wednesday did break. Um and that, you know, he had to make a a key tackle or, or, you know, a key interception. And, you know, that always, you know, if you think back to last year, those, you know, kind of the positioning was never his problem. Um, it was kind of the physicality that we were a little bit worried about, but, but he, he did really great with that today. And I think, um, whereas in previous matches, he's looked very uncomfortable kind of with the quick passing, you know, sometimes going back to him and then, over to Rudiger and then back to him. You know, he, I think he was he was good in that today too. I I don't have any complaints about his performance. I think he he played well. It's just can he do it consistently moving forward? You know, if you look at these stats, it's kind of funny. This is like a a good day out for a midfielder in, in that sense, where uh, three chances created, two key passes, an assist, had a shot, dribbled a player. Uh, you know, he like I said on paper looks like he's pretty comfortable. Again lower table championship football moving on to Ampadu our other young player in the spotlight today uh 67 touches 91 pass 91 percent pass accuracy uh only missed placed five passes all day 
didn't do as well in the long balls, only two for five. Created a chance, had a key pass, had a shot, won two-thirds of his duels, had three recoveries, tackled someone into the ground, just destroyed him, an interception, and was even fouled. I like how that's a stat, Nick. Can we talk about this? Like, getting fouled is a good thing. Like, ah, he really got himself in a position to be hacked down there. That's the Eden Hazard stat right there. Um, It's true. For sure. Yeah, I... I, w- I was a little you know, like I I love Ampadu. I think that he uh, commanded the team today. He looked like a leader out there. He does not look eighteen uh, with the with his presence on the on the pitch. Uh, I think some of his passes left me wanting a little bit more, to be honest with you. And uh, the you know I think there is a significant difference when Jorginho is on the pitch in that role versus anyone else. Uh, just the way that the the movement goes. I mean, the, the ball moves slower today um, than it did against Tottenham on Thursday. Some of that could be legs. Some of that could be, you know, the rotation of the squad. Some of it could be that Ampadu doesn't play that pivot role the exact same way that Jorginho does. There's a bunch of factors there. But um, in general, I thought he played pretty well. Um, you know, I'd probably give him a, a six and a half or, or a seven out of ten. And uh, again, I, I, I love the moxie. I love that he's not afraid. Uh, he is, he's one of the guys on, on, you know, a future leader of the team that every match that you see him play. And we were lucky enough to see him play when we, uh, went to the Nottingham Forest FA Cup match, uh, even though he didn't have his best game there either. I think you, you just see someone developing into a, a player that could be really, really special for Chelsea. So, um, yeah, six and a half or a seven for me, Dan. What about you? Yeah, I think he looked better when Kovacic took over the Jorginho role and we got a chance to see Ampadu just more as a left center mid. I think that was a nice switch. And you know, people talk about Sarri's tactical and flexibility. At least he was willing to kind of make a, I think, a good concession that improved what Ampadu was adding to the game before he came off. I know it was interesting. I think Jonathan Kidd said he thought it looked like when Ampadu walked off the pitch that he might be kind of pulling up a little bit. So we'll have to keep an eye out if there's some type of injury concern there. But he he looked good. He was more timid on the ball, again, in a more uncomfortable role than he's probably used to delivering in. He was very lucky that he timed his challenge so well and got appropriately adjudicated on the challenge he made for the ball to uh, prevent the goal. And yeah, I mean, look good. Definitely full of promise. I think the sooner we can try to figure out where we'd like him to consistently play, the better it's going to be for him. And then we can kind of make sure that we're really just crafting him appropriately and giving him the right type of minutes. I think the worst thing we could do is start switching him regularly between positions and even though it's great for him to get minutes, uh, you know, I would like some level of decision. But obviously, you know that could change from manager to manager, competition to competition. Brandon and I don't know if we will know in the next six months where he's really going to end up playing his uh, primary position for his career. Well, you know what the best part about uh, Ampadu is the skills he doesn't need to work on are the intangibles like leadership and communication. If you just need him to, you know, because this is the first time he's played that role or, you know, in the midfield really in a long time, he's been, you know, training regularly as a center back. Like you can work on the tactical stuff and the technical stuff, like no problem. Those guys have all the hours in the day to work on that. But the fact that like his intuition, his leadership and his communication is 
years in advance of his technical ability. I'm pumped about that because any coach worth uh, their salt can get that out of him. So I think from an amplitude standpoint, I am just thrilled at that. You know, those are things like he's way more of a leader than Christensen as a center back. And that's not saying Christensen can't get, be a good player. It's just a really good kind of comparison to, to see the difference in those players. Now Christensen is much more better uh, tactically and technically. And again, Ethan can work on that, and I'm pumped to to see where he goes. Um, all right. Well, the, the the last one that, you know, I guess we can talk about is uh, El Pepito, Gonzalo Higuain. So he made his debut today. Maybe a little bit of a surprise. Uh, pretty exciting to see, um, you know, I don't know. Some of the people on Twitter were, you know, he's got more touches inside an opponent's half than Murata all season. It, uh, obviously, he's not fat and overweight. Uh, just a, a lot to take in, I guess, in, in a first match. Probably the most interesting thing to me, Nick, though, is uh, after the match, Williams say he offered the penalty to Gonzalo to take. Honestly, brilliant move that he didn't take it. If he misses that, like, what a tough thing that is going to be to recover from. I think that him just getting involved in open play and getting his goals from there to start is uh, is is a wise wise move. Yeah, look, I, I think if... First of all, I think it was a great uh, shout from William. I was I was questioning. I was one of the people on Twitter who were like, "Well, why wouldn't you just give that to him? Get him off on the right start." You know, I think that the concern is that you know we, we're all we all kind of have that like Torres mind state where you know he didn't score for the first four months of his Chelsea career, and that really set him back. I think forever um, because there was no confidence in his play. I think that. Um, you know, William goes up and buries it, and I think Gonzalo wants to score from open play. Um, he didn't really have, uh, you know, that many chances. I think the service to him was was really poor today for the most part. The passing was was off. He had that kind of one half chance that deflected out for a corner, but um, he showed movement and desire and. Uh, like a mental strength today that I haven't seen for, for quite a while. And I, I, it makes me really happy that he's just a, a stone cold killer. You know, he, he just looks like he has that mentality. Uh, and, and that's amazing. I think Dan Levine was, uh, had a, a really great tweet from earlier, which is, you know, with the way that he moves compared to, uh, you know, Giroux or, or Murata or Mishi or whoever you want to pick from the last couple of years um, as a striker at Chelsea, it's like the team has forgot what it's like to play with a true number nine. Uh, some of his off-the-shoulder runs, I mean, he he stayed right between the center backs for most of the game. I mean, he only dropped deep at the end to, to get the ball, but uh, I think most of his most of his intent was just to be the spearhead of the attack and to keep those center backs occupied. And I think... Uh, what that did uh, for the rest of the team was that it opened up a hell of a lot of space on both wings because um, the uh, the fullbacks had to cheat in a little bit and uh, I think wanted to keep a more compact frame. So uh, I think he, he found it a little bit difficult on the whole, but uh, his movement and his, his desire to, to interchange, uh, I, I have zero doubt that he's he's going to make it at Chelsea. I think he, he just looks top uh, top class to me, Dan. As far as a debut, I'm going to say it was good. 
was a good opportunity to see Higuain play. And I think a couple of the caveats I would put on it is he's not playing with the majority of our first team. So there's no Eden Hazard in there. There's no Jorginho for the start of the match. Uh, no N'Golo Conte. So, I mean, you're taking off a couple, you know, at least one, if not two goal threats right off the pitch, which is a little detrimental from an attacking perspective. Uh, Callum was not great in terms of distributing into the box today, zero for seven on crosses. So there wasn't a lot for Higuain to feast on. I mean, he definitely almost got up high enough to get his head on a header, had one header that went a little to the left of the goal, had another ball he almost brought down that he he was just just to the left so there was some positive movement some good sign um no offsides is a really it's a very positive change from a striker position to have someone who knows where the linesmen are is really exceptional so that's that's a plus plus right there i think the only thing that was concerning was he did drop back extremely deep at some points i don't know if that was a just frustration or trying to give the wings the opportunity to move a little further forward uh, to try to kind of work out for me pinned back. But to me, it read more of like a frustration piece, Brandon. So uh, I think that was the only minor concern I would have. But, you know, again, we're also didn't really equip him with, you know, what the best of Chelsea has to offer today. Look, I'm holding the same standard for Iguain as I did Ampadu and Kalamutsunadoy. Clearly, Iguain is a championship player at best. That's right. Oh, it only took you how many minutes to decide that? Oh, Iguain, out! No, I'm kidding. Uh, Look, yeah, like, you know, they just wanted to get him out there, get him some minutes. Uh, Thankfully, it wasn't to the detriment of the team. Uh, You know, Zola talked about post-match how, you know, they need to learn the chemistry of each other. And, you know, Dan, you're pointing out he's not even playing with guys he's really going to be playing with week in, week out. Uh, but it was good to let him get out there, get settled, play in front of the Stanford Bridge faithful, uh, let them get behind him, and I think that it was important. Obviously, nothing uh, fantastic or flashy, but th- you know that's okay. You know the way I look, is it's going to be a build up. I know everyone thinks that he's going to slot in and, and just everything's going to work like that, but it, it might take a little bit. And I think this is a perfect match to let him get his feet underneath him, because as we found out today. Uh, you know, the result was not based on a striker today. It was much more about uh, the 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 peripheral players around them, and uh, that was good to see. So, again, I think it was you know, good, not great, and that's okay. No sense in, in hurrying him off back to Italy too soon. Uh, what about Barkley? I mean, obviously he's in today. Um, you know, a lot of people, Nick, I know you've even been talking about how we should go for a more attacking lineup uh, when we're playing – um, you know, lesser opposition. I would say that that midfield three was definitely more attack minded than what it is on a normal basis. But uh, Ross, the boss, huh? Uh, yeah, I, I think he. I think he has continued to struggle. Honestly, you need, you need to retire it. You know, you need to retire the the boss nickname. It just has to. Yeah. It has to be put to bed for a little bit, Nick. Yeah, yeah. I, I just don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Kind of where where he's struggling the most. So it just seems like he got dispossessed a lot today, which is not good. Um, he was slow in kind of determining where he wanted the ball to go. Uh, he didn't really make any advance moves forward that were of any real use to the, uh, to the forward line. And, you know, it just, it doesn't seem like it's working. Um, I, 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 I hope that he can kind of work his way through this, but, I don't. I really don't know if Chelsea can afford to have 
a passenger right now in that role. I think we need, you know, a, a, a really strong midfield to, to have a chance to win a lot of our tough matches. And, and I wouldn't, you know, I think I'd put Ruben and Kovacic ahead of him in that role. Um, because, yeah, no one's going to dispossess single Conte from uh, his, his right side. So, yeah, I, I think he's he's uh, he's struggling a lot, and, and I thought today he would have a, a really good chance to kind of get back on track, and it didn't didn't seem like it played that way, Dan. He looked his worst in, and it's not been it's been a successive pattern of poor performances, which is not great for him and not great for the club, who clearly have invested in him and tried to put time into helping him grow into this game and be ready for it, but. Yeah, just dispossessed very easily. Uh, doesn't necessarily make the quick, incisive pass you're looking for. Doesn't always put the right power on it. You know, I think he did more at times to disrupt our attack than Sheffield Wednesday did, which is saying something because Sheffield Wednesday, you know, really didn't have a lot to do, and Barkley was definitely helping them out a bit in that regard. So, uh, I think you're right in regards to the fact that there are others ahead of him and. That has me very excited, at least, for the return of Ruben Loftus-Cheek, who, in a bit of a cameo appearance today, definitely looked like he was ready to uh, engage the right way. Had some good one-two passes, went, you know, interaction with Callum, which was great. And I think our friend Joe Tweed talked about, you know, a, a goal born from Cobham was the way that he thought about, you know, Callum's, uh, you know, goal that he kind of had uh, put together, or the, you know, the work that they were doing with one another, so... That was really, uh, really nice to see. Your friend, Joe Tweeds. Not, no, I'm kidding. Uh, I think that, Ru- like I said, Ruben's injury was so unfortunate from a timing standpoint. He was looking up for it. He was looking sharp. He uh, could play the middle three, could play the front three. I think that if we can get him healthy and consistent, he is going to be a huge 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 part of this sorry system moving forward i mean his range of athleticism and physicality and just skills on the ball is immense and he can push the tempo uh he can provide assists he can smash the ball in the back of the net i really hope that they don't rush him back and they get him back for the long term because i think he will have a once he's healthy he will have a huge part to play in this sorry system and I think we were just getting a taste test, and then he went down with that back injury, and it was that was hard to see. Um, man, I don't know. I'm look. Obviously, I'm huge up for Ruben. I think that I think he can do great things under Maurizio. So hopefully, he can stay healthy and do that. Uh, Dan in the match poll. Uh, let's see who will claim the top honors in this FA Cup match for Chelsea. What did the people say, Dan? Well, it was tough. It was tough, Brandon, to to choose a, a top four. And, you know, William won with 47% of the vote. And uh, when you score a brace, I think that's usually the, the case, even if you're assisted by a penalty goal, which really shouldn't count for official stats. should be like an asterisk, but whatever. Um, hudson Adoy with 33%. VAR with 13%, Nicholas. I know you were expecting it maybe to come in a little bit higher after two correct decisions in a match. Very shocking. Um kind of got robbed of this one and then Christensen was seven percent of the vote so and no one saying that we did not pick the right people either which is uh in me it, to me is the biggest win of all <laughs> you didn't you didn't get a whole bunch of uh of critics huh 
Uh, No, no. That's odd. That's very odd for you. I I think I won people over with the Kevin spilling his chili as the analogy to Spurs going out of two competitions in 72 hours. Shocking. Um, Yeah. yeah. Won some fans over there. Yeah. Yes, you did. Um, Yeah. No, I think this was right. I think William played well. Uh, Hudson Joy played well. I mean, there's there's a, 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 you know, a good a good vote here. I, I am not surprised that VAR didn't uh, <laughs> didn't make it higher, but you know the technology needed to have a win. It's been really struggling, and um, and I'm glad that it, it got it right for our match for once. Well, moving forward in the draw, the possible teams available available in the draw on Monday, which you may or may not have already found out who we're playing by the time you listen to this. Uh, but thanks to Marco, Gate17Mark on Twitter saying, well, 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 look at this lot. Who do you want and who do you think we'll get? Swansea, Wimbledon, Shrewsbury or Wolves, Millwall, Brighton, Hove Albion or West Brom, Bristol City, Derby, Derby, just kidding, Doncaster, Watford, Middlesbrough or Newport, Man City, Barnet or Brentford, Pompey or QPR, Man United or Palace. Uh, decent draw there. I mean, Nick, if you had to pull out a couple of the top teams you wouldn't want to face, I mean, outside of Man United and Man City, feel pretty comfortable, don't you? I was looking for Spurs in this list, and, and you know, I just <laughs> I just can't find them. Uh, so that sucks for them. Um, no, I mean, like, I think there are a lot of uh, aggro Chelsea fans who want to play Millwall. Um I don't have that same hatred affiliation that some of our older fans do because of the eighties and some of the violence that went down. But I think you're going to see a lot of people who want to play Millwall. Um, I personally would love to see Frank again. Um, You know, I think it would be great to play Darby Uh, who I want will be whoever is the best for, you know, matchup for us to, uh, to go to the next round, so probably your your Barnets or your Wimbledons or your you know QPR would be fun because they're terrible and we should beat the hell out of them. Uh, what about Middlesbrough? I, they have a new signing. <laughs> yes, they do. Um, one by the way, John Obi Mikel, who, who just signed for legend, them, is thirty one years old. He is as old as I am. Really? I, I, yes, he's thirty one years old. I, I I legitimately was shocked. I thought he was like mid thirties, like yeah. winding down his career. He still has five or six years left at the top level. It's crazy. So he like, left Chelsea when he was like twenty eight. Yeah, he would. Yeah, couple years in China. Yeah, it's crazy. Anyway, um, so who I who I want would be though that you know that it would be fun to get QPR. I think that'd be really fun. Uh, who I think we'll get probably United or City. <laughs> That's honestly the way that this usually works out for us. So, um, you know, crossing my fingers, it's not one of those. But also, you're gonna have to play him at some point. So maybe not the way know. this FA Cup has been going. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. But pretty sure that you know Chelsea, United, and uh, and City are kind of the class of this. This uh, this group. All right. Well, anything pop off to you? I mean, personally, I don't want to play Frank. I think that they they're well organized. They're up for it. They yeah, love a, I don't want good that. matches. Like that's, that's that's not a good yeah. idea. Yeah. What we should what we should hope for is again another team that gives us an opportunity to field a few young players. And I think that 
Sorry is showing some level of comfortability with rotating a few in in opportunities like this, which again, we've, you know, seen people give him a lot of stick for not rotating this season. So as he is doing it, we should hope that the club and that the fixtures will give us the opportunity to do uh, more and more of that uh, as we have our next round of Europa League matches, as we advance in the FA Cup, that there should be some opportunities for players to get more minutes. So whichever team is going to get us the most minutes for our young players is the team and allow us to advance is the team I want to go up against. Well, if you have a fan favorite out there that you would like us to play, go ahead and hit us up on social media, maybe even on our Discord server. That's right. If you're uh, hanging out there, we'd love to chat more about it. But uh, yes, we will definitely be discussing the, uh, what is it, fifth round draw, I believe, coming up. Uh, on Monday, on our Discord chat, talking everything about the draw, not only Chelsea, uh, but who the other big teams have got, and it's going to be a great time. But I think that's going to go ahead and wrap us up for this match review. Uh, gentlemen, I'm exhausted. I don't know how you do this every week anymore. I am just <laughs> cashed. No, I'm kidding. I am, wow. I'm so happy to be back. Uh, I'm so happy that Chelsea are moving in the right direction bouncing back in the most positive way possible after losing uh, ashamedly to Arsenal, uh, seeing Maurizio be a little more flexible tactically, uh, seeing Chelsea rotate some players, and anytime you beat Spurs and you advance in a cup, I mean, come on, that is just fantastic. So keeping the dream alive, uh, it's going to be good, boys. I am I'm at a loss for words now. I'm just going to wrap it up. Keep on listening, listeners. We appreciate it. We will be back with part two, talking a ton of matches uh, about depth, talking a ton about Iguain, obviously William, Callum hudson Adoy saga will dominate it. But look, we've got much more coming in promo or in uh, episode two, your social questions. So make sure to tune in. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep that blue flag flying high.